Welcome to Harper Academic Calling. Our podcast is designed to give educators, students, as well as every reader, a behind-the-scenes chat with a range of our authors, from well-loved favorites to up-and-coming debut writers, about their books. Harper Academic calling Sarah McCoy. Sarah McCoy is an internationally best-selling author whose latest novel, Marilla of Green Gables, engages subject matter near and dear to her heart. Readers of Lucy Maud Montgomery's beloved Anne of Green Gables discovered Marilla Cuthbert as an elderly spinster. Anne is cherished by many, recently listed as one of America's favorite books in PBS's The Great American Read. Sarah's own love for the series is evident as she gives her readers the previously unknown backstory of Marilla, tracing her story from childhood to adulthood. We spoke with Sarah about both Anne of Green Gables and Marilla of Green Gables, and how she used the former to create the latter. So we are joined today by Sarah McCoy, author of Marilla of Green Gables, and thanks so much for being here with us. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Great, great. Um, so to start us off, um, can you tell us a little bit about your introduction to Anne of Green Gables? Do you remember when you first read it? I do. Um, I remember. I don't remember words. I remember my mother with the book open on her lap at bedtime, mm-hmm. and she was reading to me. And I remember the images of Green Gables in my mind, and that was my introduction and and I was very young she said I must have been four or five and we were living in Germany at the time and she said it was actually a library copy that we got out from the USO in Germany and she had read to me she it was really important she said back then for her to read to me because my mother is Puerto Rican so she speaks Spanish Mm -hmm. we were living in Germany and then we're Americans so English is our our native language Mm -hmm. and so she said I was starting to talk in all three languages and not make any sense to anybody and so she was very much a proponent of reading to me every night and this happened to be one of her favorite stories so that was my introduction to Anne Green Gables my mother reading to me Um, and I think why it stuck so deeply in me is because it was also my introduction to story worlds Mm -hmm. and so it was bedtime and she's reading it's all very magical and you know like sort of memories and so it was this portal of bedtime into story world and it was Green Gables that I was going to at night um I didn't read it for myself till I was about seven and then my aunt Gloria my titi Gloria she got me a copy of the book because she heard I was an Anne of Green Gables devotee (laughs) and she said um for my birthday she surprised me, and it was the first three books. But it was in the it was in the Norton publication, which is really interesting because that one back then was published with Anne of Green Gables, Anne of Avonlea, and Anne's House of Dreams, which is actually the the fourth book, mm-hmm. and it skips Anne of the Island. So I read Anne of Green Gables, Anne of Avonlea, and Anne's House of Dreams in the set. And then I, you know, came back later in later years and found out that I had skipped a whole book of ants. I know. But <laughs> oh, then no. it was exciting, though, because then it felt like I got to go back and I got to kind of jump around in the in the book series. I loved that, actually. Um, and it made me, like I feel Marilla does for a lot of people, I read, so I'd read Anne's House of Dreams, and then I read Anne of the Island, and then I reread Anne's House of Dreams because mm-hmm. I wanted to see how it was in chronological order. 
Um, so I read that when I was about seven, and then a few years later, um, the PBS. Oh, yes. Uh, everyone follows. always goes, oh my God, Megan Follows, Colleen mm -hmm. Dewhurst, that aired. And um, I just, my whole neighborhood went crazy for it. My aunts were watching it. My mother was watching it. My family was. My school was watching it. We just, the whole world in the 80s was watching Man of Green Gables. Mm -hmm. And so um, I loved that. I totally became part of that tribe of people. And then after that, I think two years later, was when Anne of Avonlea mm -hmm. came out. Um, the series continued. And then it stopped for a while. Mm -hmm. And I was... I mean, it was like withdrawal. I'm serious, Michael. Was, <laughs> I went into like a childhood depression, and I was, I was, I want more Green Gables. I want more, and I was crying. And I remember my mom said to me, "She's a career uh, teacher mm -hmm. for primary school, and she is very Marilla." And she said, "Stop crying about it. Get, get out of your room. Just do something. Do something about it if it's really bothering you." So I started a petition. I started a petition. What was it? And it was to have more Green Gables be produced. And so I circled it around my neighborhood and then at my school grade. And I sent it to Kevin Sullivan Productions. Oh my goodness. And how old were you at this time? I think I was 10 or 11. Okay. 11, I think. Sent it to Kevin Sullivan Productions. And with 100 signatures, which I thought was like $100, like <laughs> could take on the world. We were going to do this. And so... Send it off to him, and they sent me back with a letter mm -hmm. that said, I have collected 100 signatures. My name is Sarah McCoy. We want more Green Gables and 100 other people, which is basically the whole world, mm -hmm. wants this. We need to make it happen. And they wrote me back, loving, wonderful people, and said, we got your petition and your letter, but unfortunately, Kevin Sullivan Productions does not have plans to make any more, yada, yada. We're sorry. And so I was you know, heartbroken, but then years later when The Road to Avonlea came out, yes. I knew it was all me. It was Obviously. all me. That is why that happened, people out there. So, <laughs> um, but I always wanted more, and my mom, just two years ago, when I told her I was going to write this book, she said, you know, you, you, you always wanted more. You never gave up, and I had totally forgotten about the petition. Mm -hmm. She reminded me of it, and I said... You're right, and I tell that story, and I feel like, I don't know if that says so much about me or her as the Marilla in my life. I was such an Anne child. My head was in the clouds. My mom was always saying, you're always dreaming, Sarah. You're always fanciful. Let's be practical. She was my Marilla, mm -hmm. and had it not been for her telling me to stop crying and do something about it, I wouldn't have done the petition. I wouldn't have you know, thought that I could accomplish more Green Gables. And I think that's part of how this book came to be, too. Marilla of Green Gables is my answer to wanting more and to having a Marilla, my mother in my life, who said, don't cry about it. Get it. Go mm -hmm. get it, girl. You know? Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we dive more yeah. into Marilla, um, I want to, one more thing about Anne. Yes. Um, as you know, it was one of the PBS Top 100 um, Great American Reads in that pr program they just had Loved recently. that. So obviously it's had such great impact on you, but an impact on so many other people too. Why Why is that? Why do so many people respond to that, especially considering this program was an American program and right. it's a Canadian writer. It's set in Canada. 
there's nothing really American about it, but it's still one of these top 100 books. Well, first off, I'm not going to say how many times I voted for that on the Great America. <laughs> so it could have been like the petition, all my votes, because I was just going online like every hour. Um, but I, I think, you know, honestly, it's a global desire mm-hmm. is what I is what I see. Um, we live in an era where everyone is so knowledgeable. And information is at our fingertips, and it's pervasive, and it's everywhere. And we have sound bites coming at us, and opinions coming at us, and politics, and history, and ah, oh, so much. And yet, we are not satisfied. Mm-hmm. I think globally, we feel like the more we're connected to our phones and to our internets and to all this information and this passing of literature, we're reading on our phones and mm-hmm. we're you know connecting that way. We the less we know each other, the less we know real depth of heart. And that's what I think this book comes out of. It's We're battling having a lot of head knowledge, but not a lot of heart knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so I, Anne of Green Gables, that is a book about heart knowledge. It is about a little girl who comes to a farm and they don't really want her, and yet she opens... Marilla and Matthew, this brother and sister's lives up to the beauty of the magical and the unknown and the marvels that are all around them that they have neglected to see because they've been so uh, oppressed mm-hmm. by the world and by, you know, the daily things that happen, just like we are now, you know? We're very oppressed by all these daily you know, tragedies, and we just have not, you know, they're all happening all the time on a macro level and on the micro level within our own households. Tragedy, tragedy. And so, Anne of Green Gables is an escape, and it's a way to escape to a place where we aren't just escaping, like going to, you know, the Bahamas. We are going someplace and we're feeling and we're connecting and we're, um, exploring emotions and humanity and love and forgiveness and all these things that I I think we yearn for as as a people a modern society now and also just on a basic human level we're trying to connect with one another mm-hmm. on that level yeah and so you know in reading and people get to go to Green Gables but you yourself actually went to PEI I did. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your research for this book? Yes, I went last October mm-hmm. for the first time in my life. I went to PEI um, to finish the book and mm-hmm. to research and to meet Mom Montgomery's family members, the Montgomery heirs, because I needed their blessing and I needed to know I needed them to know what I was doing and for them to be behind me. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I thought that was really important. So I went there for the first time and it was absolutely magical and I don't know if readers know this but you have yes. a family home there <laughs> I do I do full disclosure my family has a house there so yeah kindred spirits in that sense and you know how beautiful that it's island lovely. is it's lovely it, so I got to go there last October and um walk the grounds and at the, that time I didn't know it would be released a year later in October so mm-hmm. it's really been providential timing you know I so I was there last October and I just got back from doing the HarperCollins Canada book tour for it up there. And I told my mom, I said, it's uncanny because it feels almost, I was here in October 2017, now I'm back in Mm -hmm. 2018. It's almost like the island magically stopped. 
And then I came back and it was the exact same as it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trees are all the same. Everything was so perfectly October. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. So, um, yes, I have been there now twice. I think it needs to be a tradition. I need I to go so. back next October. Yes, come visit the family estate. Yes, <laughs> yes, but it was lovely up there and beautiful, mm-hmm. colorful, vibrant. I absolutely love it. It's everything that Mom Montgomery wrote about and more. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of um, the original source material, what kind of research did you do with um, Lucy Mom Montgomery's original works? I went through the books that have Marilla in them before she passes away, Mm -hmm. and I highlighted the different characters. So Marilla was in a purple pen, and I highlighted everything that was said about her, every description, every opinion, every um, thing she says, the way she spoke, her vernacular, all of that got purple. So Mm -hmm. I could understand the character that Montgomery was creating and understand then the nuggets that Montgomery drops, like some people used to call John Blythe my beau. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it, right? She, Montgomery just drops that in the middle of the story and we're supposed to walk on and mm-hmm. talk about Anne, or Anne Shirley when really I at least always stopped there and said, wait a minute. Yeah. Whoa. What happened? What happened? Mm-hmm. And if Gilbert, we all love Gilbert. Of course. Right, if he's mm-hmm. this incredible hottie. <laughs> to talk, you know, to, to put it in layman's terms, if he's this hottie, then it, it goes to reason that it, John, the father, was a good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. And if he's a good-looking guy, he wouldn't have been with a stern, mean, ugly, awful, Marilla person. So that means, what was she like as a girl? Mm-hmm. What was she like falling in love? What did she regret about that relationship with John. What, I mean, that's juicy stuff, Michael. I mean, oh my goodness. So the fact that Montgomery wrote these little pieces of a puzzle about Marilla's life, I felt like she was, she knew the story. Mm -hmm. She knew there was a good story. And my job was to get those pieces and put them together and, um, and put it on the page now. Mm-hmm. So I did that. That's what I did in terms of the actual um, fiction mm-hmm. research. I also wanted to make this story accessible and entertaining for the modern reader. And the modern reader, I feel like, is like me. They want to learn something. They want to um, dig into the historical part of the historical fiction. Mm-hmm. So I also went and I took. I basically gave myself a crash course in Canadian history. And I learned all about the politics of 1837, which was incredible. So uh, dynamic, that time period. Uh, Canada was deciding whether or not to stay with England Mm -hmm. or to be an independent nation. And people were warring. There were hangs going on because... The loyalists felt that you were loyal to the crown, and that was God's ordained authority. And so if you went against the crown, you were not just going against England, you were going against God. I mean, it became about religion. Mm-hmm. It became about politi- or about um, geography, where you lived. If you were in upper or lower Canada, there was fighting. Um, and I wrote that during a time when I saw such mirrored similarities to our America. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote, I started writing this in 2016. So Pivotal year. Pivotal. So here in, 
in America, we were we were going through something similar. We were struggling with our neighbors and geography and religion and all that was suddenly political. And um, it made me realize as, as much as we think we are so different, again, the humanity of who we are now is so similar to the humanity of who people were 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought it was important to delve into that part of the research too, put it on the page, the Underground Railroad, and how that yes. played a key mm-hmm. part. Um, and that was very prominent, and that was on the political agenda. That was on the Canadians' political agenda of discussion when they were talking about being a loyalist or being a, um, a new nation of Canada. Slavery. That was big. And so that's something that isn't written about very much back then because the people who would have been writing it would have been the Victorians. You don't talk, you aren't going to write about that. That wasn't, you know, wasn't tasteful Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, And it was still a very tender subject, slavery. So they didn't write about it. It doesn't mean it wasn't talked about by the normal Canadian. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring that into this story too. Um, I wanted readers to see that ah, this Marilla character, mm-hmm. she is a darker character in the Anne of Green Gables series, and that darkness is actually fascinating. Mm-hmm. There's so much there that I think the modern reader today um, will enjoy reading and learning about, and it's a journey. How much of a kindred spirit do you think young Marilla is to Anne? Oh, very much. I think that part of why a woman like Marilla could accept a whimsical, dreamy, fiery Anne Mm -hmm. is because inside of her she knew that had things been different from her, had she not experienced the tragedies and the hardships she had or anything, any that any person goes through that makes them who they uniquely are, she maybe could have been a little more dreamy mm-hmm. and a little more whimsical and carefree and maybe she could have had more education and that's part of why she pushes education with mm-hmm. Anne is because I think she sees a lot of herself in Anne. Um, because if you've never, if you have no connection to being a dreamer, then when you meet a dreamer, you sh- you have no connection to them. Mm-hmm. Why would you encourage them to to pursue anything they dream about because you don't you really you don't understand that. So Marilla had to have had part of that in her to encourage Anne to write and to go and get her degree and to to become this person. So I definitely think they were kindreds. As I think Marilla is a kindred, the older I've gotten uh, to me, mm-hmm. and I've heard a lot of readers say that they say I was Anne, I was so Anne, but I totally get Marilla now, and I think yes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a progression of character. We all read Anne, you know, as children, and then the older we get, the older or the more we see that Marilla is really ah, not so. She's quite a. She's complex. She's complex, and she's someone we admire. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Sarah, I just have one more question for you. And so, we asked this question to all the guests on the podcast oh. since um, it's Harper Academic Calling for Teachers. Who was your favorite teacher? Oh, I had to say my mother. My mother was a career <laughs> elementary school teacher, and then she was a principal. Um, so she spent her whole life, and she just retired a couple, a few months back. Oh, okay. So this is brand new that she, but so she 
she introduced me to Anna Green Gables and she taught me my whole life. She was my ultimate head mistress, <laughs> I guess you could say, you know? So she, she was my inspiration. This book is dedicated to her mm-hmm. and she was a lifelong teacher and I have such a heart for teachers. And that relationship even, the teacher-student one, that's certainly what Marilla and Anne were too. Mm-hmm. I think there is an absolute kindred spirit dynamic there. So, yeah. Dr. Elaine McCoy, that's her name. <laughs> we'll have to send this to her. Yeah. Um, but Sarah, thank you so much. This was thank great you to for talk to you about the book. me, always. Of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harper Academic Calling. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite third-party app for more episodes. And be sure to visit us at harperacademic.com for more information about this and other great books.